Welcome back to Through Shame with your host, John Reeves, and... and I'm Gabriel Boyle, and I refuse to say Gabe Boyle, which we've <laughs> talked about a few times off the... <laughs> mm-hmm. Might be some... Uh, I mean, there's a history of some internalized homophobia there. Um, it's really just a... Yeah, it's just a really an awful... It's a yeah. really difficult name to say. Gabe Boyle. Gabe Boyle. You Boyle. just can't... Gabe Boyle. Gabe Boyle. And that's yeah, you too have harsh. Yeah, really emphasize the B, and that's really harsh. Yes. And it sounds like, oh, why? Can't lead it with a fat B, or else people are like, why did you say that B so fatly? Gabe Boyle. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, and that's... And I explain the whole thing. That gives a vibe to yeah. say it that way. Gabriel anyway. Boyle, though, that sounds very formal. It is very formal. I tried it on when I was working at a restaurant back when I moved to Minneapolis. It was just too much. Yeah. Yeah. And so today we're picking back up on our conversation last time about toxic masculinity. What keeps us from going from one to the other? Kind of what gets in the way of positive masculinity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And whatever of, the hell that is. Yeah. Like how and also what the hell that? that is. Yeah. And the first idea we have about what stops us from moving from toxic to non-toxic masculinity is this idea of people's allegiance to toxic masculinity, people's allegiance to this current culture. And the lens through which we're going to think about this topic is through the lens of this idea of reinforcement. So reinforcement is the idea that when you do a behavior, following that behavior, either something good's happened, so you're rewarded, or something bad happens, so you're punished. When something's rewarded, you're more likely to do it in the future. When something's punished, you're less likely to do it in the future. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about these rewards and punishment or reinforcement, uh, those rewards or punishments can take a lot of different forms. I was going to say, this sounds like a really simple, like, yeah, duh, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. But it, like, actually, when you're actually looking at it in a careful way. It, the whole subtlety of it being that, like, sometimes reinforcing could be, I actively give you something. Like, right. I pay you $20. Love $20. Other times it could be, like, someone smiles at you. Um, Do you want to comment on also how you could take away something that sucks and that's a rewarding thing too? Yeah, you know, like I could stop doing something that's annoying to you is also a reward. So mm-hmm. that's more like that feels to, good. You're more likely to do that in the future. So a classic example of that is putting on your seatbelt when the when you don't say when you're not putting on your seatbelt and the car does that blare. Oh noise. God! Once you put Fuck on your seatbelt, nothing that's, makes me angrier. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm fucking working on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And actually, Give me a second. <laughs> and actually, the, one of the classic reinforces that takes that form, so it takes the form of taking something annoying away, I would say is shame or anxiety. Yeah. So you're feeling those things about maybe something you feel like maybe you want to share and suddenly anxiety or shame comes yeah. up. Not sharing is reinforcing. Uh-huh. That feeling goes away because yep. you chose not to do something. Boy, that's insidious. I'm yeah. fucking like, oh, no. That's just described the first 29 years of my life. I was going to say, I'm a firm believer that negative reinforcement, so that piece, taking something away and that making it more likely you're going to do the behavior in the future. It's very confusing. Uh, it's I called see- negative reinforcement, but it's actually like, <laughs> it's it's actually like a rewarding reinforcement with the removal of a negative, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The double negative situation. And that is one We've of immediately powerful... confused all of our listeners, all 12 of them. You're welcome. <laughs> Y'all going to learn something today. Yeah. You're going to learn today. No, and I think of negative reinforcement as perhaps one of the most powerful forces in our world. Yeah. And the next thing is punishment. I realized in the beginning I said uh, reinforcement and then described reinforcement and punishment. So let's talk about punishment. So we talked about the basic idea of punishment being something that decreases the behavior in the future. Because it sucks. Yeah. When you do the behavior, the response sucks. 
Yeah, so I think about like someone getting angry at you when you do a certain behavior mm-hmm. or uh, frowning at you, to go with mm-hmm. our previous example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which highlights that it can be quite subtle mm-hmm. and can kind of fly under the radar, especially if you're not really in tune with how you feel moment to moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're, you, you like can notice like, oh, I feel shitty from that. Like, I'm not going to do that again without even really like acknowledging mm-hmm. what the interaction was. Right. I think one of the classic ones we've talked about a lot is you share something vulnerable and then people are silent. Yeah. Oh, that man. is so Because you think like, I think that what happens is on the other side of that, the people who are silent are like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. So I'm just <laughs> not going to do anything because I'm worried about fucking it up. Right. And then you've but actually punishing. Yeah. You made a decision. Yeah. Like, yeah. At least in the other person's eyes, or at least in terms of uh, their behavior. Right. If I share something vulnerable and you respond with nothing, most likely I'm going to interpret that as, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Right. Maybe that was wrong. Even if you rationally understand, like, well, they probably just didn't know what to say, it doesn't really, like, eliminate the negative feeling of it mm-hmm. i also think about having to go into that space of wondering what sure. you're as inherently negative that is an inherent versus negative, if yeah. someone just reaches out and is like oh that feels the same way you don't even have to start questioning anything yep. so that even process of questioning or that discomfort is negative yes. is aversive yeah so so when we're talking about this idea of allegiance to toxic masculinity we're going to look at it through the lens of reinforcement and punishment and just to briefly recap all the stuff we just said. It was a lot. Reinforcement can come in the form of positive reinforcement. So I add some reward. Like $20. Negative reinforcement. I take away something annoying. Like I don't feel anxious anymore. Mm-hmm. And so both those are going to make your behavior more likely in the future. Then there's punishment. Punishment being I either add something negative. Like radio silence when I reach out for support. Mm-hmm. Or I take away something positive. Like... I guess like we didn't talk about one of those. We didn't really talk about one of those. I guess um, I mean the classic example I think of is timeout, where like you take away uh, uh, someone's free time essentially. Yeah. Um, but I can think of that being like someone uh, no longer giving you access to them in the way of yeah. like yeah. someone saying like okay I don't want to talk to you anymore I don't yeah. want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That's a less like I don't I don't think I've been putting a timeout in my adult life. Yeah, that's true. I don't think I have either. So that's a little bit more of a relevant one for absolutely. It is. It's a. It's a different type of timeout. It's an interpersonal timeout. I was gonna say like yeah, I, I paused there because I was thinking about like well think about a time a friend's giving you the silent treatment. Oh. Um. Luckily, I don't have any friends who really do right. That. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of an yeah kind of an immature thing to do. I don't know. Or and no, it is an immature yeah, thing fine. to do. I, yeah. I was like. I, 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 I was like. Well, it's because like, yeah. No. <laughs> it is. It's 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 an like yeah. It's not. A, it's an indirect way of dealing with a problem that can be best dealt with in a direct way. But I'm also thinking about though. Like I think we might be being a little too um, strict in our definition there. Because think about a time where someone does like say something really aggressive to you and you just don't say anything. That's true. That's a minor. Yeah. That's, that's a, a that's kind of minor timeout. It it's is. Like if you're yeah. like engaging with them positively and trying yep. to support them, they get really aggressive at you. And yeah. You just stop. And you just stop. That is a timeout. Right. Then they have to fucking look at it. Exactly. So. Which is, which is the purpose of a timeout, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you sit down, you're like, fuck. Yeah, no, I, d- I did punch my brother a lot. That's <laughs> <laughs> perhaps not the... I see now. If that I'm was honest, <laughs> that is not what I did with my timeouts. What mm-hmm. I did with my timeouts was thinking, okay, well, how do I more effectively do this in the future? I was caught, <laughs> I was caught by the authorities here. Wow, these clipping. authorities have a very unjust like power. This, I, I, like, well, who gave yeah, them this I mean, power? Kind of, you know yeah, what I mean? Who gave you this power? So now that we've explained that, we're going to use all those principles to talk about this idea of 
people's allegiance to toxic masculinity mm-hmm. getting in the way of moving away from it. Yeah. That is done through reinforcement and punishment, and we're going to talk about that now. Let's dive right in. Dive in. Different people's allegiance to toxic masculinity. And sure. when I say that, um, that allegiance is not always like in your head, like a th- thoughtful. Mm-hmm. It's often emotional. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying all this because I'm thinking about women I've been with where as you move away from these more like toxic masculine things, um, where you do things that violate the rules of toxic masculinity, losing attraction to you sometimes. Yeah. Um, and that not being that she doesn't believe in feminism or doesn't believe that there should be gender equality, what it more means is this person, just like you, has been conditioned mm-hmm. and is conditioned to see certain things as attractive or unattractive. Even if she thinks you should cry like that, mm-hmm. that could also mess up sexual connection for her in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because now she doesn't feel as connected to you. She does feel freaked out. You are doing something that is hard for you and violates her expectations of how you should act even mm-hmm. if she's what she wants you to do and what a what a challenging messy situation that is mm-hmm. so either she can not realize that that's happening and just be like whoa I've lost the connection I don't understand why mm-hmm. uh, maybe she's aware of it and she's like even though I told you I want you to be able to cry in front of me I actually it's kind of gross to me mm-hmm. both of those you know result in the behavior of probably withdrawing mm-hmm. or I mean definitely withdrawing uh, it's whether or not it's explicit is, I think, the deciding factor. So that's a punishing, you know, that punishes the man for for whatever, for becoming emotional. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of runs into this thing of like how even if the person consciously says something, their right. behavior says something else. And I, right. I've seen men in comments who are struggling and in pain talk about, oh, you all are saying this in this video, but in reality you would do this. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to that where like those men have likely had experiences where they've been with women who like do have those beliefs and have been turned off and don't know why and moved away. Mm-hmm. And even though she didn't bring that up or say that about it, he notices what happened then. Yeah. Or she denies it. Or maybe in the message that I break up text, it's like, I don't want you to think it's this. Right. And in patriarchal masculine culture, one thing you were definitely taught is this idea that women are deceptive and like mm. lying to you and like conniving. Mm-hmm. And I again think there's some truth in that because of patriarchy, women have often had to have indirect ways of exerting what little power they have and maintaining yeah. the power, keeping themselves safe. So women are going to sometimes be dishonest with you if it keeps yeah. them safer. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Like 100%. So I think they take all these things together and are like, well, it must actually be because I cried, so let me not mm-hmm. do that. You're not going to tell me that, but mm-hmm. that's what it is. Let me not do that in the future. And if she doesn't tell you that, one of the things that I certainly do that I think is a very kind of generalizable thing is like, okay, the thing that I'm most afraid of, it, like being vulnerable like that is frightening. And uh, because I'm specifically aware that the loss of connection was because of that, I'm going to be looking for any sign that it that that's exactly what it was. Yeah. You know, I, I'm already looking. I'm ar- I've already decided that that's why, and now I'm just looking for confirmation that that actually was why, without realizing that that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But it's all this I mean, it's confirmation bias, and yeah. it's like emotional reasoning. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pause. So we've gotten the feedback that apparently we don't define our terms. So we're going to go ahead and try to do that. It's not entirely surprising. It's really not even a little (laughs) surprising. I mean, guys, you're talking to each other, but there's an audience there. Yeah, that's that's still very weird. Sitting in your apartment looking at the empty like bottles. Yeah, we're alone as far as I'm concerned. Right. So confirmation bias, just to say that first, it's the tendency to kind of process information in your environment based on some pre-existing belief you have. You already believe it. 
and you're just looking for evidence that that it's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, the classic example is, like, you have a political opinion, you go online, type in, like, is Biden yeah. actually a secret lizard? And suddenly you find all these articles showing how he's a secret lizard. Well, and you see a lot of articles that are like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's not a secret lizard. That's really stupid. And you're like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. Scroll past, scroll past, scroll past. I'm only looking for the ones that say, like, yep, he's a secret lizard. Like exactly. you, you also ignore all the evidence to the contrary. Mm -hmm. That's kind of an extreme version. The Emotion other one was emotional reasoning. And emotional reasoning is the idea, I feel it, therefore it's true. Sure. I'm anxious, therefore I must be in danger. Yeah. Okay, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. That's going to clip. Percival? <laughs> Percival, rewind it back. It's all this I mean, it's confirmation bias, and yeah. it's like emotional reasoning. Yeah, like yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Where's mm -hmm. the threat? That mm -hmm. must be the mm -hmm. fucking threat. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing indicators the threat's there, and it's mm -hmm. like that's not that's not what's going on. It's like mm -hmm. fuck you. I can fuck. tell it's what's going on. I am wired right now, <laughs> and I think also it's funny. And I don't know that I'm wired. I can't understand that how escalated my emotional state is right now. Exactly, and I think also if you're a man who's particularly skilled at like suppressing your emotion you miss that like you're angry or you're anxious there mm -hmm. and your cognition even though you think you're being logical you're actually like it must be this mm -hmm. like you're not like that's fueled by emotion and you are not seeing things clearly yeah another way people's allegiance to toxic masculinity stops us from kind of moving out of it mm -hmm. is when men actively ridicule other men for not behaving in line with it mm-hmm so actually, when we were kids, uh, our friend Gabe started dating his longtime girlfriend at the time, and Gabe started dressing better. Just started like wearing... I was just thinking about this. Yeah, <laughs> I started wearing <laughs> pants that fit me. This was this was her doing, by the way. This is something that I wanted uh, for years of my life, but I didn't know how to do it. Right. I didn't know how to like dress better, appear more dignified. I for the first I don't know 18, 19 years of my life, I wore the baggiest jeans I could find. And hoodies, just generic hoodies, Don't and that's it. Stand out. <laughs> Do not be invisible. Honestly, we joke about that, but that was my goal. Yes. Be invisible. That was such a terrifying thing to me to wear something that made any kind of statement because I was afraid that I was like, oh, I can't back this statement up. I don't know. Let's just. I want to be as neutral as I can. Mm -hmm. So she helped me kind of define like you should wear these pants. These ones actually fit you. And I was like, pretty sure you can see my entire dick and balls. And that is terrifying <laughs> to me. I mean, you kind of you could, but you kind of could. Uh, <laughs> you kind of could. Yeah. And then like it was a good style choice. Yeah. And then also shirts that fit me, uh, V-necks in particular. But yeah, when I started wearing those, it was fucking terrifying. And the only way, truly, that I was able to like continue to make it my style was because of the encouragement that she gave me. Because she like you know because she was saying no you don't you look really good. Mm -hmm. Because the, what I got from my friends mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> was open ridicule and from all sides, family, friends, just like all across. I mean, and, and it wasn't always absolute, like outright derision because sometimes it was just noticing. And that was like, mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't do this to be noticed. Don't fucking notice me. How dare you? You know, but it was like, oh, wearing the black skinnies. And that comment was enough to yeah. be like, oh, God, the shame. Oh. I think it's really important that like, the shame isn't always ridicule. Right. It can be noticing because of how shame prone you are as a right. man. That comment I like because it's one of these examples of like 
there's some aggression there without noticing. It's a little passive aggressive. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, You're wearing those, huh? Mm-hmm. It implies that like you shouldn't be. There's something negative there, or mm-hmm. like that's a, like justify yourself. Versus mm-hmm. like, oh, I like those pants. Right, which is noticing, but in a positive way. Exactly, like versus, yeah, it's a, it's a comment that's like leaves open the like yeah. justify this thing. Yeah, and it's funny because I, you know, I don't remember if I ridiculed you at the time. Um, I imagine I probably at least made like passive aggressive comments. Uh, yeah, I can't I know remember myself that, and I don't remember if I did, but like I'm just assuming yeah. I did. I okay. was a kid, and I'm like, oh. I know if I did, that comes from a place of deep jealousy. Right. And I know for all, I mean, I, I haven't asked everyone about that. that no, time. I think that's but true, though. Positive, because we all dress that way now. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Yeah, it came through, like, clothes. yeah. I mean, yeah, like, like my one friend, I can't remember if there was, like, I don't know, like you were saying, I don't remember if there was active, like, ridicule or whatever, or comments, but then he was like, hey, uh, would you and your girlfriend come and help me pick out a jacket? You know, like a pea coat? Because mm-hmm. I was also wearing a pea coat. So like yeah, it quickly went to like I also would like to be that way. <laughs> Can you help me? I would like to not stay in the shameful, ugly fashion mm-hmm. world if mm-hmm. I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I mocked you, but I need your help. Yes, <laughs> but I need your help. And so so, oh and I was happy to. That was a very validating like. Ah, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. We made it. We've arrived. Right, and I and I. It's so frustrating because what kept you there was. Because, you know, I could have seen another option where, like, say yeah. you started doing it on your own and it wasn't your girlfriend and encouraged you. Right. You likely would have stopped if you had met that ridicule and shame and didn't oh. have any reinforcement. Immediately. And it's funny because everyone probably wanted the same end point. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I remember uh, – I don't know. I think this fact is true. I think it's bullshit because I see this fact go around. But uh, And I, I think there's different variations of this. I see how this relates to race. I see there's some – like, black culture talks about this, too. Mm-hmm. But there's this metaphor, the story of the crabs in the bucket. I saw one oh, yeah. version recently where they said, like, if you put a bunch of, and it, it said it was like a fact, I don't know. If you put a bunch of male crabs in a bucket, um, when some of them try to get out, the other ones will pull them back down. Yeah. I made it. I almost made it. Like, get the fuck back down here. <laughs> but if a, do a bunch of female crabs the same thing, huh. they'll hold hands together and die. Oh, they, they still one. die, though. Yeah, they still die. They oh. Try, they don't, like, no one tries to get out. They're Jesus. Just like, Let's go. All right, solidarity. We're going down. We're going down, man. Like you can get out. Do you see how long your wingspan or your claw span is? One of us can get out, and if only one of us can get out, none of us can get out. Can't you pull us up with you? Nope. Not works. Can't. Can't. But it's a fact that went around, and I was like. I, regardless of whether it's true, I know enough about women and have been friends with women in my life to be like, no, some of y'all call each other down. Like, y'all are people too. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. And I think it's a wonderful point in the sense of like, yeah, like yeah. so many men operate in that way. Especially yeah. at that age where we like are so afraid to do anything else. Right. And our behavior is so much more monitored because we're in school and we're like, just, it's so much more reinforcement. Yeah. Um, so I think it's men blocking each other via shame and ridicule. I think mm-hmm. another way this pain caused by our culture uh, shows up is. I think there's a struggle. So when I think about feminism, like, uh, and I identify as feminist to the degree that I'm like allowed to say that as a man, because I think I don't know this. Are we not, wait, are you not allowed I, to say I, that I, as a man? No, I think I am. I am. I am. I'm more saying it in the sense of, like, I don't want to be like a white person who's saying like I'm an mm. ally. Like, I don't know that I get to self-define as that. Sure. I think people who are more victimized by these systems 
decide that for me. Yeah. So I am in that, like, I believe in those ideologies. That's how I see the world. Uh-huh. And I say to the extent that I am allowed to um, give myself that title, knowing that I am the oppressor in this situation. Yeah. I am also oppressed by that same system. Like, uh, it's not that I'm on either or. And men are the primary oppressors uh, when it comes to patriarchy and yeah. misogyny uh, to ourselves and to others. Oh, yeah. For sure. That makes sense. So to recap, the first thing we think that gets in the way is people's allegiance to toxic masculinity, or another way of thinking about this is people's conditioning by toxic masculinity. Um, But I I think another problem in here is the struggle for non-male identified people to actually make space for male pain, Mm -hmm. given that a part of how toxic masculinity works is it forces those people to make space for our unprocessed emotion. Right. And I see that as different. So by that, I mean, when I say unprocessed pain, unprocessed pain or emotion, I think a dude being overly aggressive saying, I'm not angry, I'm not this. Like, mm-hmm. this is an extreme example, but an example of it where he is completely unregulated, acting in shitty ways, and the rest of us have to pick up the slack. Like, mm-hmm. I had a boss like this in my PhD where <sighs> just the most dysregulated uh, adult man I've ever met, he... You know, he had some insight in that he would sometimes reference the fact that he had essentially tantrums, Jesus. slamming things, yelling at us. It kind of makes uh, it worse that know. he understands that oh, he, he has did. the awareness. He's one of those guys that thought by pointing it out. And he's this guy's a psychologist. Yep. But what happened was uh, he got away with it to some degree because me and the other people in that lab picked up the slack. Like, mm-hmm. we uh, would regulate for him. Mm-hmm. We would try to interrogate things for him. And even when he was resistant, we made that space. And we, like did it because there was this belief that like this is just what we do like we right. knew it was wrong at the same time it's just what happens in our culture like, yeah all of us regulate it for these deep unregulated men in our lives mm-hmm. so that's the unprocessed pain part but when i think of making space for male pain it's making space for men to talk about difficult emotional experiences they have with gender mm-hmm. i think if you are a non-male identified person who has been victimized by toxic masculinity it's so fucking hard to make space oh. for that Absolutely. Like I think about an ex of mine I really care about. If we would like, I remember trying to talk to her about my experiences as a black male in an all white mm-hmm. um, PhD program, and who was also dating, and like just like so much of my life, like I'm being perceived as a threat. People are looking at me as a threat, mm-hmm. and like as a psychologist, I'm like, I just want to fucking make you feel better. Cause you're right. Like, fuck off. Like come right. on. Right. Um, and I was talking about some of the pain that comes where I'm like, yeah, like it is frustrating to go through all that and then also face rejection and dating. Cause I know it's people don't have to like you. There's all these complex things, but sometimes it would be like, I feel like people are afraid of me. I feel like mm-hmm. you're running this. And I feel like no matter how palatable I make myself, people still are afraid. And I'm always going to be seen as this monster um, and not wanted. Right. Um, and, and also it's like hard to get rejected so much. And yeah. for her, she has such a hard time hearing that because for her and for anyone I talked to in my life, talk to my life about this, they would go to a place of, um, I don't know, make them think too much about the pain they face at the hands of men right. to be able to kind of hold space to the fact that like, oh, so you're mad because women are rejecting you? Well, they have a harder time of dealing with all these things. Yeah. And me being like, I recognize that. Yeah. I just want to talk to you about how I feel rejected. Both of I those things are true. Love. Exactly. Yeah. But I think because of... It's not a, you know, either you can experience pain or women uh, experience outright danger and... Absolutely. I mean, I think it's the this idea in therapy, the and, not but, the therapeutic yeah. and. Yep. And I think uh, we have to use that technique so often because, like, for so many of us, it goes into a butt situation. It feels like mm-hmm. to acknowledge male pain in the situation and to, mm-hmm. to say that, like, yeah, that's real pain, that's justified, I hear it, feels like it invalidates your experience. Right. 
Um, and I can see, just to be clear, on the Patreon for a while it is, where like I think um, what they're worried about is me saying, I'm in pain from getting rejected, therefore it's okay that people ignore consent and take right, things. which is, wow. Taken. Not um, what you were saying. No. Um, and what a terrifying thing well, you know, and it wasn't what I was saying. And though I, th I can see how it sounds like what I'm saying, because something I would bring up to them all the time is this thing of like, man, what's frustrating is it feels like, and it was basically nice mm. guy shit. I look at it now, where it may be saying like, man, it really feels like people are asking me to be different. I mean, I think there's a bunch of stuff. I think there's nice guy stuff. I think it's also like fetishization of black men, mm. where it's like it feels like people are going on these dates and wanting me to be this hyper aggressive black male. Mm -hmm. It's like caricature. We have a black men, mm -hmm. um, and if I'm not. Like, you're not going to love me, you're not giving me the time of day. So it felt like you're asking me to be this thing I don't want to be, and it isn't even who I am. Right. I mean, it isn't who black men are. Yeah. Um, and I think they would hear that, and I think it's fair to hear it this way, as like, oh, so like because you're getting rejected, you're trying to decide whether you should be horrible in that way. Right. And I think, again, that's not what I'm saying, and like I think if you've experienced sexual violence or just physical violence or just interacting with men, frankly, mm -hmm. it's hard mm -hmm. to trust that I mean something else more nuanced. Yeah. Like, it's it's easy to think that like oh I'm sitting here bumbling through this complex emotional thought but really what I'm going to saying is like yeah. I'm just gonna be toxic I'm just gonna be shitty yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hurt I'm gonna be mean to women right it's like ah, it's not what I'm fucking saying yeah um, which highlights just how difficult these topics are mm -hmm. and it also highlights why it's so important for connection through other men to mm -hmm. to happen you know not that that sh that that connection couldn't or shouldn't happen with a woman but they just don't have the experience, mm -hmm. you know, so there, there just inevitably is nobody more fitting than okay. another well-adjusted man. Right. And it, and it's hard. Cause like, I, I think that's such a good point. Cause not only is it, they don't have the experience also like, and why we as men need to make a space for men, um, in a good space, not just a space that reinforces toxic masculinity, because mm -hmm. that is also what happens. Yeah. Some men do go to other men, only men, and start yeah. saying pickup artist shit or listening to the fucked up podcasts of dudes being like, this is how you dominate right. women. Yep. Um, and then say shit like, uh, how to win you don't life. ask a fish how to catch another fish. And it's oh, like, <laughs> why are we? Oh my God. <laughs> We're fucked. Um, and there's something you said about like choose who you talk to about certain things like if your friend your female friend responds that way she's probably dealing with some shit where she doesn't have the space to hear this yeah but she cares and wants to support you because that's you an especially hard thing to hear when you have such an opposing experience like that exactly like if you, if you came to me for instance and we're talking about like you tried to infiltrate some all black group on campus yeah. and felt like they were rejecting you felt bad it would be hard to be like i was the only majority there <laughs> this is <laughs> i just be like you piece of shit like just go to fucking coffee shop or right some shit. like it, you would have that reaction yeah it's a very fair reaction and i wouldn't be able to hear the nuanced truth of like i think the nuanced truth is when it comes to racism just like sexism racism fucks all of us mm -hmm. black people uh and i would say across the world black people because racism and, and black anti-blackism colorism i think mm -hmm. it was all one thing Dark-skinned peoples across the world have it the worst, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's data to support what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, I think it I was going to say that's not even an opinion. That's a <laughs> people think they can debate it, <laughs> which is so funny because they're like, "You're just an angry black dude. I can debate this with logic." And I'm like, "Jesus, data? What? <laughs> I have learned your tools, white man. Yeah, you're still not going to listen to me. But I've learned your tools. Um, I, I think there's something to be said about like they may not have that space because of that." That is a really hard thing to hear, and like it's unfair to expect me to remove your emotions entirely. It, mm -hmm. It's not only unfair; it's antithetical to the conversation. Like right. it's helpful for me to 
hear how they feel about those things, mm-hmm. hear what they're hearing, but both of us have to do a better job or like they might need to do a better job of like, you know, just tolerating some of that distress for their friend and like helping them or at least yeah. telling me I can't talk to you about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Cause I, that's, that's really what should have happened. Absolutely. You know, it's totally fine that she didn't have the space to talk about that, but really the, I don't know why is the evolved thing to do would be like, Hey, I'm re- recognizing that I'm having some intense emotions right now. And I just really don't have the space for this. I, you know, right. Yeah. Oh God. And I think on my end, the thing to do there is also to one, recognize like I need to choose when to talk about this, maybe go mm-hmm. to men that I trust about this, mm-hmm. which gets into like, that may not be men I trust. Like, I, <laughs> I was going to say like, I just, all right, well, the list is pretty short. Yeah, I have a sticky like, note with just Gabe. your name on it. And <laughs> like, okay, Gabe. let's see. Let's check out the list here. No. All right. Yeah. That's it. I text you and it's like, oh, I'm busy. And it's like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I talk to my other friend yeah. and then like, he's like playing a game. We're trying to talk and he's like, yeah, yeah. What'd you say? And I'm like, okay, this is just right. validating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talk to some other male friends and they're like, I can see them trying to tolerate their distress uh-huh. when they're talking uh-huh. about it. And I'm like, okay, you're actually struggling more than my female friend who has yeah, right yeah. around this. So like, I don't know if I want to sit here and like babysit you through me talking. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's ugh. well, guess I'll die. So yeah, I just think there's in general it's a struggle for all of us, but especially for non-male identified people who are focused on their own liberation. Yeah. Um, how do these movements make space for male pain yeah. and take it seriously when? Doing that can look a lot like what patriarchy forces you to do right. already, which is make space for unprocessed pain endlessly right. and then watch us do nothing about it. Yes, right. Like, it I've looks... all this pain. You yeah. can go to therapy. That shit don't work. Don't yeah. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? <laughs> that just don't work. So instead, you want to talk to me, an unpaid, untrained professional who doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You care about me. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to talk to someone like it's it's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. For another thing that gets in the way is men simply not having the tools to identify, understand, and work through our emotions and pain and needs. Yeah. And I don't want and I, I want to be clear, I don't want to like act like we're fucking babies. Like right. we I think sometimes what happens is what patriarch allows us to do is uh, or this culture allows us to do, uh, our current social culture mm-hmm. is Pretend we don't have skills when we actually do. Yeah. And pretend uh, it's uncontrolled when it's actually like, it. you could regulate this. It's infantilization. Infantilization, I but then there's also it. weaponized incompetency as well. Oh, yeah. Weaponized incompetence. There's a song on TikTok I love. Mm. Uh, it's just like, absolutely. Like, like we, like, I think, uh, so I don't think we're completely unskilled. Like, I really don't want to say that. Right. Because um, we are more. A lot of us develop these skills despite our societal pressures well i would say even for those who don't fully you have the basics you have the basics sure, um, sure, 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 sure. and like um also the incompetence dance is a skill you've developed yeah uh, it's avoidance essentially yeah and what i mean is that men there are some higher level skills men have not learned they've just learned how to react with anger or different things mm-hmm. like for instance like I think about when I first started doing therapy years ago, I think it was like 2015, 2016, I had an older male patient, and I remember I was so out of my fucking depth, but we were talking, <laughs> and like, now I know what I would do here, but back then, uh, we were trying to talk about they were wanting to change jobs, they were a lawyer, they were super unhappy, mm-hmm. uh, and we kind of did it only because their dad did it, and it was like mm-hmm. all this complicated stuff, and they were trying to move towards something else. Um, and I was just in this place of like, what do you feel when you're in the room? And he responded, stressed. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, like when you say stress, can you be more specific? Like, what does it look like for you? What about this? It looks like stress. 
completely. Stress looks a lot of different ways for me, yeah. but what does it look like for you? Right. Stress. Yeah. And whenever he asked about emotion or anything, it was always stress that he would say. He would never, he was really struggled to identify, or anxiety. It's, it's an emotional literacy problem. Exactly. We just don't have, yeah, just don't have the language to describe, I think, what a, happy, a hyper-rational mind might say is, that, like, it doesn't matter that I can't say the words. What do the words matter? But the mm. words give you, as you've just highlighted, the ability to describe what you're experiencing so that you can actually get appropriate support. Mm -hmm. And it just helps you straight up process the emotions themselves. Right, absolutely. Naming the emotion is like, okay, that's a little bit less intense now, Mm -hmm. which is like, Mm-hmm. Again, such a scam, but like, like that doesn't make any it's such sense. A, it's such a like, wait, just fucking naming it. Oh, come Fuck on. You. And it's like, oh, actually, it does because yep. I know what this is. Yep. Also, it's helpful because if I tell you I'm like, if I'm stressed out, you mm-hmm. see me stressed out, and I say I'm angry mm-hmm. versus I'm really sad and scared, mm-hmm. those are two different reactions totally that different. anyone's going to have. Yeah. Especially if I'm a man talking to a female identified partner who's right. smaller than me, weaker than me. Yeah. I'm, I'm angry. angry. And you don't know how skilled I am at regulating my anger. Because mm-hmm. I'm someone where, like, when I get angry, I think I'm really adaptive. I approach people and I talk about what I'm angry about, mm-hmm. but I like to approach in a systematic way. And if I'm like, in my anger when it's not regulated, it's sarcasm. I'm like, mm-hmm. and it's shitty, but like, I can't imagine being a woman <laughs> talking to a man where it's like, is this going to be one of those like sarcastic right. assholes like me? Or is this going to be a guy who tries to hit me? Yeah. Uh, and is he gonna? And, and maybe he does start a sarcastic asshole, but then hits you later in the relationship. Like, yeah. Is, Jesus Christ! What a scary calculus. While yeah. I'm over here being like, well, I think the better thing shit. to do is to do what I do and just never feel angry. <laughs> Anger's bad. Yeah. No, no, you just, just suppress, it. Just suppress it. <laughs> That's one thing men are good. Deny at. that you're ever angry, because I I learned that being angry is bad. So it's also funny because that's what men learn. They learn to suppress all emotions. Mm-hmm. So not only learn to suppress all emotions, this is just a sidebar comment that ties to our culture. So one thing, so I'm a DBT therapist. I also do some cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, CBT. Uh, I also, a big emphasis in my work is liberation psychology, this idea of like uh, abolitionist, anti-racist, uh, anti-sexist. I also just do a lot of gender affirmation work just because I'm like, fucking why not? Um, and work with a lot of trans patients. One thing I don't like about CBT, um, and I don't think this has to do with CBT itself, I frankly think it has to do with the fact that CBT was invented by a bunch of white people, mm-hmm. and I think white culture is very emotionally avoidant, Oh yeah, is in CBT, technically, thoughts, emotions, and behavior are all equally important need to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And we still know emotional processing and truth is probably the most important thing. Mm. The other treatments I do, we use these rational tools, but the point is not to be more rational, it's mm-hmm. to let your, help you process your emotion, and help that's, your emotions learn. Yeah. Um, but I think CBT subtly, so oftentimes I see this happen to white, white therapists, mm-hmm. particularly white male therapists, but I would say all white therapists, and I think, again, it's this cultural, this like emotional avoidance in white culture is we start to use the tools to just suppress more yeah. and avoid more. And like, so when people say CBT feels like gaslighting, mm-hmm. what I hear is you probably had a therapist who was teaching you to use these skills to avoid your emotion yeah. versus what I do where it's like, yeah, sometimes you use these skills to not tune into an emotion too much because it's not helpful. A lot of times I'll use these skills to be like, let's sit with this emotion. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of times what our sessions look like is even like, of course you feel sad. This mm-hmm. happens, validating your emotional experience. Because mm-hmm. um, that's exactly the, I mean, what you're describing is exactly what I picked up throughout life. Mm-hmm. I and it's I mean it's something that I've uh, I still struggle with. I've got a little bit more of a finger on it now. But if I can explain, if I can rationalize it, then okay, well, it's already it's been God. resolved. I don't have to worry about it anymore. 
Right, and it's so, oh, it's such a, I think it's such a dangerous poisonous disservice. And oh, again, absolutely. It's, it's one of the, to me, the biggest critiques of the mental health field, and it like <laughs> makes, and it's and a big issue of the mental health field is it's, it tries to ignore that we exist in a culture that has yeah. values that shape what we believe, yeah. and it's like, in a mental health system that invented in a white supremacist culture, dominated by white people, we're gonna pick up on some of your cultural norms. Mm -hmm. For me and black culture, like we avoid emotion too, but not in the same way. Mm -hmm. Like we have we avoid I don't know, I think my mom and dad, they avoid emotion in a very different way. Yeah. And uh black culture is way more expressive and in your face. Oh my god, absolutely. And I had to as a therapist, I'm bringing these behaviors back out in me. I mm -hmm. had to hide them for a long time. Yeah. Even though they are not there's no fucking manual saying I can't be expressive. Right. And I don't know, DBT is seen, so, seen as so revolutionary, I think, because it just teaches white therapists to be expressive. Right, right, like, right, right. It's okay to have an emotion and share with your patient mm. and reinforce their emotion. It's like, are you sure? But we're not supposed to talk about things to make us feel certain ways. Right. That makes the feeling bigger. Uh, you know, I'm feeling really uncomfortable how you're making me feel, making me confront this right now. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think we should make more space for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just think that's a fucking subtle poisonous thing to this. Is yeah. that like even the tools of healing can be co-opted to maintain right. uh, patriarchal masculinity. That was a big side effect of my kind of mindfulness kick too. Mm -hmm. a very important, you know, muscle to to strengthen. But also, I was my God, I was using it to be complacent with being abused you know mm -hmm. my biggest like sinking into that was when i was with my abusive boss and i was like oh i just need to be more resilient i need to be able to take <laughs> more punishment and do it in a uh mindful detached way right how do i endure this inappropriate yeah. behavior better i went to therapy and i went because i was like yeah i need to i need to figure out how to how to exist in this very stressful environment better because this is a this is a personal problem Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's something like ooh, ooh. gotta write this down mm -hmm. so we didn't get there honestly back to you later I yeah mean, we didn't get there in the nine months that i worked with my first therapist we didn't get to like hey this is a not a you problem but you know and part of that is like i wonder what your can you tell me like what your first therapist like characteristics were um we talked a lot about sometimes it's like this other things but sometimes it's like well they might be someone who does is not noticing that because they're in it too oh sure like we're people it sucks we yeah, <laughs> got man. our own bullshit it was a very passive experience i did most of the talking she asked very kind of open-ended questions a lot about like it was a very like insight over behavior practicing i don't know insight over <laughs> kind of just insight was what it sought for and real quick just to define our terms there so mindfulness is the idea of training your mind to either kind of, I guess just training your mind to uh, focus your attention better on different things. It usually begins with redirecting mm -hmm. attention to the breath as a constant thing that you're always doing. So it's kind of just like strengthening that muscle of attention, mm -hmm. of, of an intentional attention. Mm -hmm. And when I explain this to people, I kind of bring up this point of we really, the kind of overall goal is to better control your attention, but to specifically bring it to the present moment, whether mm -hmm. it be focusing on one thing or just kind of focus more generally on what's happening around you mm -hmm. and away from our natural tendency to either kind of be ruminating about the past or worrying about the future. Right, being aware of what's going on in your body right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's so frustrating because like, we're getting off topic. I just, I feel so strongly right now that emotional avoidance is perhaps the biggest issue in our culture. It's huge. Um, because it maintains all these it's, things. Like it's so pervasive. White supremacy, like yep. 
all of it is um, maintained by emotional avoidance. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's disgusting. Again, along this thing of like men not having the tools or skills to identify, understand, and work through their pain, we focused on the identify part so far. Mm-hmm. But for the understand and work through, I mean, I think some of that's labeling. But I think some of that is also like, so I remember, um, I've gone through a lot of breakups in my life, been going on this half. I just like, went through a shitload. Um, and I think about- More breakups than relationships somehow. I'm not really sure how you work that angle. Look. <laughs> <laughs> look. Uh, uh, <laughs> that wasn't a criticism. Everyone's that was just an observation. Is, everyone's path is different. <laughs> and like, you know, when you think in life in terms of what makes sense, you're cutting with that. Like life is complicated. The numbers at the end are confusing. Um, but The statistics um, at the end of the... Decision sometimes not going to make sense. It, it's because of weird shit happening in the data generating process. It's like, but uh, I think about after some breakups, I'm someone who sees a lot of value in being friends and maintaining some connection to my exes. I just care about these people. Mm-hmm. It influences on my life however long we were together and patriarchy tells me that's wrong absolutely so something when i was not to understand my emotions after breakups which the reality is yeah you missed this woman you spent a lot of time with she influenced mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. she was a good friend mm-hmm. like you use phrases she used you have like inside jokes of course you miss her and are in pain and no you don't shouldn't be together patriarchy would say Ah, you shouldn't feel those feelings. Get rid of those feelings. Have mm-hmm. sex with some other women. She doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There's someone else out there just like her or better than her right. based on these like physical standards you're going to use to define the relationship. It like tries their best to treat those feelings as you shouldn't feel those. People are disposable. Right. Um, and she's not bringing you any value anymore. Exactly. I remember. And in fact, talking. she's getting. Yeah. I mean, you had a. An I remember talking to a close friend of mine where like, uh, and it's so hard because this advice actually was true just in such a more nuanced way that I think either of us realized. Right. Where I was trying to be friends with this girl after our breakup and we were young and like, she wanted to be friends too but like, was lying to me doing all these messed up things mm-hmm. um, and I think for her she was just feeling anxious because like, there was some stuff that happened that wasn't so cool that she did that I didn't know about until later. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to my friend about like, oh man, I really want to be her friend. I just am in a lot of pain. Uh, I just want this to be different. He said, "Why should you? Why should she do anything different? You're giving her everything she wants, right? Um, and importantly, the, you're not getting what you need. Exactly. I think the helpful advice there is like, hey, you have power here. Yeah. Like, if you don't like this, stop yeah. showing her that's okay. Like, right. stop behaving in a way that says what you're doing is okay. Right. Like, respond, stand up for yourself. So that mm-hmm. was the really good part of it. Though when we talked, his angle was more this thing of like." You're not having sex with her. Mm-hmm. Why are you giving your emotional energy to her? Right. I was like, she's my friend. He's like, really? He almost saw the friendship. He's like, you're not. She's not your friend. You just want sex from her. Mm. And you call her that, but she's not really your friend, truly. Mm. Um, so that's what patriarchy was trying to pull me towards. Was this idea? My friend, I don't think I realized what he was saying, but it was mm. pulling me towards. These feelings are inappropriate and getting in the way of what you should be doing, right. which is not letting her dominate you, dominating her, mm-hmm. getting what you want from her. If you don't get it, cut it off. Yeah. Versus. You're having an emotional complexion reaction to someone you care about, who cares about you, uh, who's definitely made some mistakes, but you're navigating through it together. She's not any wiser or more powerful than you. Right. She wants to connect with you. Right. And shit's hard. Yeah. And you all need to do some hard stuff. And if you disconnect for a while, it's not because I remember even thinking like this connection was like a precursor to her never talking to me again. Mm-hmm. And like I almost this is just this is just isolation with more steps. Exactly. And I I, I kind of started to view it as like. She was doing it deliberately to hurt me because she can get a guy oh, she wanted. Like yeah. it, beca- it, it, yeah. it shapes your mind to this like 
And that's a patriarchal view too, where mm -hmm. women have access to men because they're, you know, the desirable mm -hmm. gender in the in this, you know, gender binary, and men have to pursue, and men are always rejected. So it's this like, oh well, especially coming from a patriarchal mindset where all mm -hmm. you could want is, you know, where all you're supposed to want is sex and in abundance and with variety, like they have the power actually. Right, right, and that like. You gotta beat them at their own doesn't matter. Right. And it's funny because it really reflects the fears of men. Yeah. Because, yeah, it does. Because what he was what's being said there is she can have any guy she wants. Right. She could not possibly value you. Right. Above the things she could just get from any guy off the street. It's a numbers game. It's like fuck. That's so sad. Yeah. Because it's like, do you really think you have nothing else? Like, right. You didn't impact her in a deep emotional way. Right. Other than just like your dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Like. Uh, so you're saying which that. if I correct me if I'm wrong you didn't even have sex with her until after you were broken up right nope. <laughs> no. okay so that's a whole different layer Super of like, what is happening I'm here? over here like what's going on it's like you're confused kid yeah you're you're going to break up with someone you love that's yeah. uh, shit's fucked yeah <laughs> shit's fucked um, so I don't know this is, gets to the understanding point of like as you're trying to understand even the because I over time was like yeah I do want to see this more as you're my friend I care about and you were going to work through this mm -hmm. and when I would tell some of the men about that they would be like oh, man. Mm, sounds like you're tricking yourself sounds like you're being taken advantage of like they would like, right. try to put me back on alert yeah. and I would get back on alert and then like and then the confirmation have, like, bias comes in or I would like feel upset at her or like defensive yeah. and she'd be like what the fuck yeah. and then sometimes she would do stuff where I should feel it's just yeah so and then it, you just start to not trust yourself because it's <laughs> confusing as shit yeah um, Jesus so we've talked about how to identify understand and work through I guess the work through uh, we kind of talked about with therapy um, but yeah. also what working through looks like, working through your emotions as a man looks like. Mm -hmm. I guess for this, what I think about actually is after your breakup of your longer relationship, mm -hmm. how you were going through this healing process that was great, and you often were more, with, more withdrawn. Oh yeah. Which I think is like, part of just who you are is like maybe a more introverted person. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought is like, ah, it's just, that's the story of patriarchy. It is. Even on my own journey of healing and reconnecting with myself, I often envisioned as something I could do alone. Mm -hmm. Oh my I, God, absolutely. Yeah, I was I like, what's the point of including other people in this? I was like, it's easier to feel big, huge, painful emotions alone than Why? risk than risk the vulnerability of right. like, of receiving support or not receiving support or the shame of displaying deep sadness or tears. Which is so sad because I talk to female friends who sometimes put yeah. me through these things. Um, and even then, they've been a little guarded about it. But like, I don't know. I think of you know, a friend who like went through a breakup, and like she and her friends uh, went and hung out, cuddled, did all this stuff, mm -hmm. gave her physical affection and physical uh, affection. Yeah, yeah. I'm like we as men, like it's like oh, the main times like, we touch each other as men is in contact sports when we're when we're hurting each other, <laughs> when we're mm -hmm. blasting through. The front line in football, Absolutely. whatever you, you call it. I don't know touchy, anything about people football. Punish it. Like, yeah, I think of my friend Andy, uh, our friend Andy, who uh, when we were in high school, uh, just hugged people. Like he's like, and never in like a weird way. He was just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna hug my male friends. Mm -hmm. And I remember a kid, uh, Luke, at a time made a comment about it, where he's just like, you're so touchy. And like, I, remember, I just keep, I, I whenever I think about this, I just think about Luke's face, where like. He said it a few times. He would make comments about it, but he always had this, and he's a pretty conservative guy. After he said it, sometimes it have this like look on his face of like, mm. 
confused anger a little bit. Ooh. Like what you're doing is inappropriate. Like yeah. don't you, it was kind of like you want, you touch people a lot. Yeah. Like do you realize you shouldn't do that, motherfucker? Stop. Right. And, and, and Andy was like literally like fuck you. Like yeah. just keep doing it. He's like, I love that I like irreverence. I don't give a shit. Like I right. like my friends. Um, and it's funny to look back on them. Like yeah, that's weird that we thought that was weird. Yeah. Why would my lifelong friend hugging me? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Why don't men hug more? I mean, I know why men don't but hug also, more. But I'm yeah, thinking about like when you're in that space, like why wouldn't you call me? Why couldn't I hug you? Why couldn't I comfort you in that way? That right. feels even saying it to you, looking uh-huh. at you, right I'm like, yep. oh, God. <laughs> like, I want you to be happy. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I only reached out to people when I had uh, a like cognitive thing to unpack. I mean, it, it, sometimes it's an emotional thing, but I was like, all right, I need help thinking through this space, you what? know. Which it was all about, like the problem solving of it. I was and, gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say, even that, yeah. I can help think you do this versus yep. I'm feeling this. Can I just feel this? And that's you? just it, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. Which you know, I think in our relationship, I've been the one to more often be like, and not even ask for explicitly to realize that's what I need, mm-hmm. but I'm like just spewing at you, and I think your problems. I mean, and I think yeah. also there's a space here where it's like, motherfucker, ask your friends out of space today to talk about. <laughs> Separately, I think some of the things that would happen is like yeah. I wouldn't be asking for it, but I would be doing something that for me felt good because it was emotional processing. Right. And for you, you're trying to problem solve. Right. And you're trying to cling on to stuff where it's like, Fuck. no, this is just an emotional Fuck. fountain. Like you don't like don't try to grab a thread of water. Let it flow. Yeah. And it'll stop. So it, yeah. So I don't know. I think like in our relationship, I've been the one who's maybe pushed for more. Just like. Because I think what you're talking about emotional experiencing too, but it's problem solving through it. Right. Why well, sometimes I'm like, just let me feel it. It's around a, you. it's a piece of it, you know, but it's not nearly the whole. And I think that that's where I'm still very hung up is I don't really understand what the I don't understand what just the experiencing of emotion. It's I mean it's just not a developed skill for me, and I don't, and it's still associated with like. I probably won't get the support that I need, which is like something that I decided very early on in life. Or that, not that I decided, that was kind of like no, I, uh, reinforced for me. And so uh, when I consider letting someone in for that or reaching out for support for just feeling an emotion, it's like to do that and have it backfire is far worse than just doing it on my own. So it's really hard in that moment to make the decision like, okay, no, let's reach out. Just even though it's actually like, feels like the riskier thing. Yeah. Even though like when I'm sitting here saying that, I'm like, no, you're, you're stupid, man. Just fucking like, go, go do it. But I haven't felt, I, it's not been reinforced for me. I haven't mm-hmm. felt like, wow, what a connecting experience that was. Like that made things so much easier. You know, I still just have those memories from childhood when it was like, oh, should not have done that. Okay. I think you're being unfair by saying it's just childhood though. I think that like. That's um, true. Maybe in talking to me, I hope you haven't had those experiences anytime recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I think actually you no. Know, there was a time where like I was really struggling with marijuana. I was smoking every single day. I was just out mm-hmm. of it. I remember you asked me about. You, I, I've never forgotten this, uh, and I'm, I'm okay with it. But I was just like, ah oh, man, I failed my friend. But you said like uh, you wanted me to look at some therapist you were looking at, right? Help. And I was high, so I didn't kind of do it. And then later you were, I think I mentioned like, oh, my weed use ever got in the way, and you was like, well, I mean, like I wanted your help with that, and you didn't, so I just assumed I couldn't be helped, and I was like. Oh, I think that is reinforcement of it. The reinforcement doesn't have to just be active negativity. It has to be with like a friend not being there or a friend doing it poorly. Yeah. The other piece. Well, yeah, doing it poorly is usually where it comes in with, you know, when I'm like just the quick, just ineffective, just baseline. That sucks. (laughs) Or 
or like kind of avoiding it or like what you know through sometimes toxic positivity statements like well, it's okay man it's gonna be great yep it's like yep I don't, I don't rise to the occasion oh my god <laughs> Oh my God! Like, and I guess I think also about like friends who want to, but are so self-conscious about yeah. like, their support that like it becomes this like slow, mm-hmm. they're tiptoeing, uh-huh. and it's like motherfucker, I'm sad. I'm not yeah. a bomb. Like, yeah, <laughs> talk to me, man. I used to go out friends like that where then where I'm like in a lot of pain, and I'm having to do more regulation, right, to tolerate their discomfort trying to support me, and it's just like I don't want to do with this. No, I just want you to like. Like, it's funny because it's like what is being asked for there when I would go to my male friends is essentially honestly I think like something I would want from my like father where it's like yeah. no, I want you to like fucking take your big arms hold me yeah. and like say it's going to be okay like take charge a little bit mm-hmm. and make me feel safe even though mm-hmm. I know neither of us knows like mm-hmm. no one fucking knows mm-hmm. I want you to envelop and protect me there and support and like bring some of that like sometimes idiotic confidence and assertiveness associated with maleness right um i think that's what all that's what at least what i want sometimes in those situations is like i know it's going to be okay could you like hug me hold me reassure me it's going to mm-hmm. be okay but we're so timid around it because we're like we're not supposed to do that mm-hmm. um so I, yeah i think the ineffectiveness oh my gosh Oof. that's i think that might be the biggest one because i think like we all everyone listening to this knows the like oh yeah i shouldn't go to that guy he's just actively invalidating right versus your friend wants to help, but it's just like, Jesus, yeah. this is not effective. Mm-hmm. Like, I know your heart's in my place, and you're trying, mm-hmm. but you're not getting me there. And I also feel like I can't give you that feedback, because I feel mm-hmm. like it's going to make it harder for you to do it. Mm-hmm. So I just have to tolerate you not being there. It's, it's really terrible. punishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, oh my gosh. Yeah, even though everybody in it is well-intentioned, mm-hmm. it ends up being like a very behaviorally punishing experience. Absolutely. Oh, God. I just think about it. It's stressing me out. Yeah. So I think we've pretty much solved toxic masculinity. We did it uh, and conclude the podcast now. Yeah, I think it only we're took good. two episodes. That's pretty remarkable. So I just want to say to we all so people smart. alive today, like you're welcome. You're welcome. You know what I mean, like, yeah, uh, hurts so self-aggrandizing. <laughs> it, it, it went from like sarcastic, funny to be like, oh, oh now I feel no. ashamed. It feels yeah. like yep, gross. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's funny. It, it, it's what the audacity. I don't know. It is. Yeah, it's exactly. It's the audacity. the audacity of me to record this podcast, knowing nothing know. about sound. Also, the idiotic bravery. Of there is a certain no amount idea. of idiotic bravery. Yeah, which is, I don't know, is that a positive masculine trait? Idiotic bravery? Something we didn't get into is also the idea of does something be a masculine tra- being a masculine trait make it not a feminine trait? Can it be both? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I... I think it can. I think it can. This is like know, binary thinking. Right. It's funny. I think the cultural temptation is to say no. Right. Binary. Right. But I think yes. And again, I think this gets back to the idea of when you really ask yourself, hey, what behaviors define these genders? The more you really think about that, the more it's like, no. Yeah. That's wait not a minute. A thing. That's nonsense. That's a nonsense way to think about this. I bet any like gen- again any gender theorists or any like yeah. trans it's like yeah fucking duh like, we yeah. established this in literally 1902 before like I don't know when gender theory started but I, I imagine Probably it actually before. wasn't then but or at least in Western society I'm sure it's earlier earlier than the 1900 then the the Model can, T the Ford Model T probably I mean like. Were we allowed to have gender theory. theory back then? Well, I think, yes. It's just the stuff you wouldn't want to call it. You know, it's just oh, no. white men oh. saying. Like, that's oh, I didn't even too. think about that as like, that, gender theory. Exactly. Yeah. It is. Fuck. We think of it as like just like a 
it's like a fact that gender theory is opposition to that. Yep. No, gender theory includes that. That is oh, a theory no. of gender. <laughs> it is just a very directly harmful. And it's it's like if you saw that gender theory in a gender class, you'd be like, so that guy's pissed. Who's just like <laughs> women fucking suck, and they're just broken yeah. souls, and yeah. men are so. It's like someone also mentioned like <sighs> okay, I saw. I think it was a TikTok that was like. We don't really acknowledge that everybody back in the day, they were up on like fucking coke and morphine and alcohol. And a lot of these people were horrific addicts and like were known for writing and doing their best thinking when they were like just coked up. Yeah, right. Like you say, like this person was angry. Like they probably like were just like fucking agitated as shit and just like can't fucking believe like the we don't really think about the context that those things were written in and we think or we do but we think about it as like uh the noble like sipping on tea and yeah the propaganda yeah the propaganda exactly the propaganda of these enlightened white men who like are level-headed and clear-minded so much so with what they think is the fact is fact and everything else is a right offshoot essentially yeah. or a, d- a disagreement with truth and a lot of, yeah like mm-hmm. a lot of these the, the founding fathers they were 24 like, what the fuck <laughs> and also really high on coke They're like what? i love that. i mean you, it makes sense in context yep. let's fucking start a country <laughs> let's go like, king <laughs> like, george has an entire army it's like fuck that bitch let's <laughs> go it's like also it's like all men are created equal. Slave looking at you from across the room. Like, <laughs> gonna I said what that. I said. <laughs> it's like, huh. Fuck, it's a cunt. No, no. I'm good. I'm right. I mean, like, man, come on. Don't make come me on. say it. Don't man. make me say it. Like, don't right. be a dick We right all now. know. Like, we all know what I mean. Jeez. Fucking land-owning 20-year-old white dudes. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Like, don't give me that. Like, read the asterisk and the footnotes, please. Get on my face. It's like, oh. Hateful men. Yep. Machine well, anyway. men with machine minds and machine hearts. Sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, we'll dig back in next time. Oh, yeah, podcast. Sorry. We'll be back next time. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in.